Oh, just finishing off my Rubik's Cube. Good morning, <laughs> Mr. White. Good morning, Mrs. Angel. How are you today? I'm fabulous. We have a super special guest we joining do. us today, Hakia Hustler. How are you, Hakia? I'm really well. Thank you both for having me. Oh, we are to delighted to have you on board, mm. and we are going to get to hear all about your very exciting and interesting life. Um, Hakey is obviously a teacher, um, which is why she's awesome. Um, so <laughs> we are going to get straight into it. I'm going to tell everybody about um, Hakey's um, alumni. So the main schools were um, Kangia. I should have checked this, the the pronunciation Kangaya, of that. Yes, Kang- Kangaya. Kangaya Steiner School. Mm-hmm. Um, at Mawillambar M- M- in yep. New South Wales. <laughs> this is going to be great. My goodness, I haven't been drinking. It is, we, are, we are recording in the morning here. People are used to me stumbling over words, but it's usually um, in different circumstances. Uh, she also went to Shearwater Steiner School, mm-hmm. also in New South Wales, uh, Grovedale West Primary School in Geelong. Um, mm-hmm. That's in, in Whitey's country. Um, but I moved around a lot. Uh, she moved around a lot and it also attended Daystar um, Steiner School also in New South Wales, Brunswick's Head Public School um, and Emmanuel Primary School in Ballina. And during that time she lived, um, she had, uh, during the time she'd lived in with her parents, foster care and also grandparents. And then high school went back to um, uh, care of her father. She moved around schools and um, helped her to really see what she loved as a student, uh, also what she didn't love as a student and sparked a real passion for adventure. Um, so the secondary school that she went to was Grovedale College in Geelong and her tertiary institutions um, have been Victoria University in Footscray where she's done a Bachelor of Education uh, and also the University of Southern Queensland um, which is a fabulous uni as well to get her graduate certificate in special needs. Yes, Hakia so- Hustler is an award-winning children's middle and young adult author with four books plus uh, to her name Black Cockatoo, Duran, My Deadly Boots, Tracks of the Missing, and a chapter in the Teacher Teacher Anthology. Hakia is also the co-owner of online professional development site, The Remote Teacher, uh, which has a blog, podcast, and of course, and courses for outback, rural, and remote educators. She's also the co-admin of the Facebook group, Teachers in Remote Communities, past, present, and future. Hakia is an avid reader, nature lover, veggie eater, writer, artist, and adventurer. She loves to spend time imagining and daydreaming on long drives in baths and around the garden. Hakia holds her Bachelor of Education, Peter 12 English and Humanities, Graduate Certificate of Special Needs, and is a facilitator of trauma-informed teaching and classroom management skills, and has worked in rural and remote education for over 15 years. It's great to have you here, Hakia. Welcome. Thank you so much. <laughs> We are delighted, as is the enormous crowd that we have with us here, Hakia. Um, so, can you um, kick us off first um, with an acknowledgement of country? Yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians on the lands on which we meet today and pay our respects to elders past and present and extend that respect to any First Nations listeners with us today. Thank you so much, Hakia. And we are so excited to get into your story. As you know, because I know that you're a listener of the show, we always want to kick off um, to find out who is the teacher who has made a real positive impact on your life. Yeah. So in my early years of schooling, it was Conrad, and that was at Shearwater Steiner School. 
And in Steiner, you don't call your teachers by their last name, it's first name, and you have them for multiple years. So I was with Conrad for three years in my formative early childhood years where that passion for learning was fostered through him. I, another person who really inspired me was Miss Matthews, Miss Janet Matthews from Grovedale College. She was a teacher who was my year seven home group teacher, so she really got to know me and across the years was my English teacher and humanities teacher. And since that, I ended up as an English and humanities teacher myself. I think the way she taught and the care that she gave really rubbed off on me. Um, and also, when I was thinking about this question, I thought closely in my own life, my auntie Michelle was a real role model and she was a teacher. And because I was in and out of my grandparents' care and foster care, and then back to my father. Uh, she was one of those positive, young, vibrant role models for me and, and made me consider teaching as a career. And when I'm asked this question, it also leads me to think teachers that inspired me when I was a teacher as well. Yeah. So when I went to work in remote outback communities, I was alongside educators from so many different backgrounds. I was alongside graduate teachers fresh out of uni who had gone for the adventure remote but I was also near experienced teachers but also First Nations educators so I had some amazing Aboriginal education officers and language teachers and elders in the communities that I, that I was in who helped shape my perspective on education going forward so really like to acknowledge them as well in my education journey and but thinking about who positively has impacted me in that journey so far. I think, um, I'm sorry, I'm going to jump in here, Will, because I, the story you told us off air just before, I think segues beautifully into that. Um, you were telling us when you first went up to a remote school, you were a fourth-year teacher, so definitely felt like you knew everything about teaching. You were ready to go. <laughs> Tell us a bit about what happened. Yeah, so I'd been teaching for four years and I'd taken on like leadership roles. I delivered professional development. I thought I was really good. And I'm like, yes, the next step I'll, you know, head into head teacher or something. I'm really good at this. My big head getting bigger every year. Um, and I'd also done some volunteer work in my university time with Swirl, story writing and remote locations with Laurie Marne, which takes a month each year to go up to a Northern Territory remote outback school. So I thought I knew you did know teaching. some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought I knew normal <laughs> teaching or, you know, mainstream teaching. And so I went up to teach in Horse Creek and my first, very first day in the classroom, I was dodging pencil tins. I had students climbing out windows and on roofs and it made me stop and realize very quickly that there's more to teaching than what I'd been experiencing in my mainstream classroom. And those First Nations educators, my Aboriginal education colleagues, were really instrumental in helping me become trauma-informed, culturally aware, understand um, the importance of relationships. So I went in there trying to teach straight away where I should have been building this rapport, relationship, getting to know you activities. And one person yep. was Carl Merrison, who I ended up writing the rest of our books with, who came into the classroom and just transformed my understanding of teaching and Lynette Gordon who remains a really good friend and is one of the co-admins of that Facebook group uh, was in in those first formative years too so helping shape my new understanding of what teaching can be and everything I learned there has made me a better teacher in no matter what context I'm in as well that's awesome and I reckon um, that they would probably say they learned a huge amount um, from you as well Hakia but 
Um, but and that's what happens when we have great colleagues and they we've got different skill sets to share and well, uh, we're willing to learn from each other. As you raise that, it brings up something that we're really advocating for over in the Facebook group at the moment because Carl, for example, and Lynette and Estelle Xavier from One Arm Point and Jocelyn Warrigal, who was teaching all these amazing Rowena Morgan, all these amazing First Nation educators. Carl recently went to apply for a university and he has over 20 years of experience as an Aboriginal education officer, running and designing programs, supporting First Nations education, running PDs for teachers. And when he went to get RPL or advanced standing, none of his experience ticked the right boxes. He didn't do the right formal education to get any RPL for those experiences. So we've recently been writing to education ministers and uh heads of teaching at universities and different spaces, NESA, et cetera, to see if we can change that. We're not expecting people to lower the bar or to make it easier or give it a handout. What we want is culturally responsive, culturally aware RPL and advanced standing processes. So First Nations educators in remote communities who live there, breathe there, are committed to these towns and students, actually have a chance to step into the roles that um, gain the recognition that we do as teachers, gain the pay and the incentives for things they're already doing. So yeah. I think that's, sorry, that's me getting on my soapbox, but it no, just highlights great. the important role of First Nations educators too. 100%, 100%. And, and I think, and that's that, that um, the back and forth, um, you know, non-First Nations people going and working in remote com- um, communities, great for, great for us also can can add value to those communities but most importantly we've got to seek first to be able to understand and have those people in uh, who, who know their community that we can learn from as well and if, if you're not doing things like that then there's going to be less and less of those people being able to have an opportunity to to be that leader in that community so i love it absolutely love it that's great um awesome whitey so what are you doing uh interested in your book writing yeah. How have you? How have you come into? How did you come into that? I mean, you spoke a bit about your English teacher before and how uh, that was inspiring for you. Yeah. Gets, I'm an English teacher, and I, I quite enjoy reading and, and storytelling as well. Um, what prompted you to do it? How did you get started? Um, tell us everything. Sure. So I didn't think I had a personal story to tell. I, when I was little, I used to write stories about fairies and adventures like that. And as I grew up we lose time, we don't actually get to spend as much time on our passions as we should. So I didn't actually do a lot of writing in my early years of teaching or my university degree. And it was when Carl and I, when we were partners, were waiting the uh, birth of our daughter. And we had that time because you have to leave remote outback communities with a significant like two or three months before your baby arrives so that they don't arrive early in an outback place with the not the medical uh, equipment needed to deliver a baby. So mm. I had gone back to Northern Rivers to await the birth of her and then Carl was able to come a little bit earlier too. And so we were sitting around with not much to do other than walk on beautiful beaches and hang out eating delicious food. So we decided to (laughs) tell a story and we were inspired or thinking about the students that we'd had in Halls Creek and how some of them are lower literacy being very mindful that not all First Nations children are the same and not to paint them all with the same brush because I did have students that were above and I had students that, that taught three, uh, spoke three or four different languages and standard Australian English being their third or fourth, it's no wonder that they are ESLD or lower literacy. So 
um, we thought of those children and we thought about the strengths of those children and the different ways that they learn and the different experiences that they have. And we also thought about the stories that were available and not many of them showed these young people's faces, places, stories, experiences. So Carl was really passionate about being able to tell a story like that. And when we were thinking about our daughter being off country, so she was over in Northern Rivers when she's a Jaru Gidja girl, uh, we wanted her to be able to know her place wherever she was. And that's kind of the main theme of Black Cockatoo and Dillon. So uh, that inspired our writing. And then we didn't actually think it would be published. And when we first got a publishing contract from Magabella, they gave us 500 copies. So they were only going to print 500 copies. And I think they gave us an advance of $250. And we were like, yes, this is amazing. 500 <laughs> copies gets us. You know, all the kids in Halls Creek can have a book. And, you know, the, Kim- the kids in the Kimberley might get a book. And then that one was shortlisted for many awards and won the CBCA Honour Book in 2019 and just spread like wildfire. So it studied in schools all over Australia and made Carl realise that he's got stories to tell, but you'll see uh, snippets of my life woven throughout it as well. So Mia and the other books that we've written it's often a grandparent that's one of the main role models, which is true in many First Nations um, cultures, but also true in my life, that they were always there for me, as were my other family members, but the important role that they played. So you can see little stories from my life, but a lot of his culture and a lot of his background. And then personally, I've written several manuscripts, a bit of poetry, I was shortlisted for some poetry awards, and I've had the opportunity to be part of the teacher-teacher anthology, telling my story and my adventures and the impact that uh, teaching in remote outback communities has had on me as an educator in my different context as well. So writing kind of didn't come naturally so much or, you know, there wasn't time for writing, but but once the passion was sparked, we kind of haven't stopped. And Carl's written some of his own books now as well. So we've kind of branched together, but also separately on our writing adventures. Whilst also continuing to teach. Yes. yes, yes, and running the remote teacher stuff as yes. well. But I think it's all that those passions. Like I, I love Absolutely. teaching and love writing books and love doing it, like supporting and advocating for outback education and, and for teachers to go out back. I highly recommend it. So when it's a passion, it's not It's not, not work. So yeah. It, re- it really isn't. Absolutely. When we first started this podcast, we were, well, how are we going to fit it all in? And, um, and you know, people talk about, well, work-life balance, you know, you know, you shouldn't be recording a weekly podcast, Sharon. You should be maybe make it monthly or six monthly. You can't fit this in. Nobody can tell you what you can and can't fit in. You've got 24 hours in a day and you've got a lot of, a lot of love to give in that time. So if it doesn't feel like work um, – and it's yeah. it's filling your bucket, then it's it's giving you balance, isn't so it? So true, so yeah. true. That's cool. I love meeting other people <laughs> who know how to fill up their twenty four hours of a day, and you are doing that, and then yeah. some. Hey, yeah, that's very very cool. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. um, can I just? I want to talk a little bit more about those anthologies. So, can Ooh. you tell us a little bit more about that about that oh. book and how that came to be? Yes, I highly recommend people read. There are so many inspiring educators and. I went from the perspective of telling my story, but I didn't actually realize that we could talk about people who inspire you, like pretty much exactly what this podcast is about. So um, other authors in here spoke about their influential and positive teachers who shaped their career. Um, But it came about, I saw an advertisement for 
calling for submissions. Megan Daly, who is an amazing author, but also runs a book review podcast and website, was looking for people to write the stories. So I found it, I think, the weekend that it was due and (laughs) smashed out a response and sent it in and was really lucky to get selected. But so was Casey Mulder, who is an Aboriginal teacher who is also who's also taught at Halls Creek and is also part of our Facebook group. So it just kind of was really nice that there were two of us that could talk about the power of Outback teaching. That's fabulous. Mm. So, um, I mean, I want people to go and buy that book as well. Yep. But, uh, but as, as will we, but tell us about the power of Outback, Outback teaching. That's why when, mm. um, when you made contact with us, we were super keen to get you on the show. Um, neither Whitey or I have, um, have done Outback teaching. Like, well, mm-hmm. as far Outback as, um, as you're talking about here, Whitey has spread his wings um, a bit more. So tell yeah. us all about Outback teaching. Mm, sure. So in each of our books as well, we set them in Outback Australia. So if teachers wanted to get a feel for what the students are like and what the Outback and the challenges, but also the amazing strengths, that's what we've put into our books. But Outback teaching is amazing. It's an amazing opportunity for adventure, growth, connection to other people, and to see the world from a different perspective. I have made so many friends from all over different parts of Australia, but it's also a different way of teaching. So with the 350 plus language groups of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, including um, different dialects, there are so many diverse and rich people, places and cultures to learn from. So I had the opportunity to do volunteer work up in the Northern Territory and there are amazing programs that still do that, like Teach, Learn, Grow over in Western Australia and there's Beyond the Range, I think, in Queensland or New South Wales. So there are these opportunities for pre-surgivist teachers to dip their toe into remote outback teaching and feel what it's like, like I did. Uh, I oh, so by, got... by, dip, by dip your toe, sorry, so what does that yeah. mean? So how long, how long are you committing at that stage? What's it, sure. what, how long is a, a toe dip? Yes, so if you're a pre-service teacher and you did uh, swirl, story writing remote locations like I did, that would mm-hmm. be one of your third or fourth pracs. So I think that would be a couple fabulous. of weeks. Okay, if you do Teach, Learn, Grow, I think that's a holiday program from brief memory. And so that would be a two-week commitment. And then mm-hmm. beyond the range, for example, sometimes you can get scholarships to go and do it as well. So they pay for your living expenses, but I'm not exactly sure how long that is. But they're all placements, not commitments to a year or a Love term it. yeah that's um, awesome and they're during your pre-service time so that's where you are still learning at university but mm. you get to have this uh placement and go and explore what it's actually like and be mentored by teachers out there and be inspired by the students and the landscape and the elders and the culture uh but then i also went up to halls creek in the kimberley i've taught in one arm point i've taught in broome and down in pinjarra uh, south of perth and each was different and unique in the needs of the students, the different cultures, and the history of how the area was colonised and the school was created. So whether it was um, stolen generation stations and then, you know, a community popped up around that or whether it was just a traditional area where a town has started or whether it was, you know, the site of horrible um, resistance fighting or whatever situation it was. So each has this different, unique uh, dynamics in the community. And I remember when I was teaching in One Arm Point, for example, they've got a really strong, beautiful 
culture program on a Friday run by the Aboriginal education officers there. And sometimes it's going out to camp on one of the local islands. Sometimes it's a turtle that comes in at lunchtime and everyone cooks up this big traditional food feed. Um, Sometimes it's learning stories from the elders. It's a really beautiful, connected community. And then other times, like Halls Creek, I made some amazing friends and learnt so much and you'd go out to beautiful waterholes swimming with friends or you'd be invited hunting. You would work. You'd have this opportunity to extend your career. I was a head teacher out there um, and really supported in this new role because it's a smaller school and smaller um, teaching crew. So you get given these opportunities to extend. So there's just so much to remote outback teaching and so many opportunities. But I also acknowledge that it's not... For everyone so the average stay is nine months and the turnover is 60% of staff on average in these remote outback schools so one of the reasons that we started the remote teacher in the Facebook page was because we wanted to change that we wanted people to have knowledge and feel empowered before they went so they'd see if this was for them or not and yeah. that's so fine too so these teachers know what they're in for like I didn't, um, feel prepared and empowered and confident to step into their new teaching role so that they want to stay and that they step in with strength rather than having students on roofs like yeah. I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, what, a, what an incredible range of experiences you've had. And I love the, the idea that you've got to start with the connection first with community. And yes. you've spoken a bit about the need for teachers to know what they're stepping into so they can be more prepared and, and hopefully last longer than the nine months. What else do you think is needed to ensure that we're supporting um, everyone in their, in their learning? Mm. So culturally aware. So mm. often in our classrooms, we, we may be planning from our own by unconscious biases and point of view. And I remember even like the NAPLAN, for example, often has experiences that mainstream students in cities will understand but students from outback communities don't have that context to respond Mm. to like talking about snow or Mm -hmm. um, different experiences that they might not have had so culturally aware teaching working with first nations educators to design programs so that they're engaging local hands-on and relevant to students and their experience Being trauma-informed is super important in no matter what context you're in. If you're in mainstream, if you're in Catholic, if you're in alternative schooling, trauma-informed teaching is so important. I also think the relationships with students. So once you build this rapport and relationship with students, you're going to be able to cater for them better. And students need to have this mutual respect with you to want to learn from you. And you realise that very quickly when you're working in a remote outback community where sometimes students... Uh, vote with their feet so they're in your class if they feel connected to you or they're not if they don't so uh, relationships are important in every context as well and it makes me think about even in my current context in northern rivers new south wales i often see some of the disengaged students walking around the skate park and the local park when i'm down there playing with my daughter and i always make an effort to go over and say hello and yarn with them and like talk about skating or whatever it is they're doing so when you see your young people out in community, take those moments to connect because you can bring them back. You know now that they're interested in skateboarding. And if I have a student that's low literacy, I'm going to design activities around skateboarding. I've got a boy in my current school who is low literacy in year nine. And so I've created a pack about fishing. And while he disengages and runs out of a lot of classes, 
he's happy to come with, to mine and we talk about fishing and we do activities, our literacy stuff around fishing. So once you know your students, you can cater for them better. The importance of differentiation. So in remote outback communities, you might have students who are pre-literate, like I did in my year nine class there, and low attenders perhaps, but you also have students who are at or above level. So the, the scope of sure. student needs in those classrooms is huge. So the ability to differentiate in your planning, but also in the moment and have those skills to just adjust your lesson to the needs of the students that are there with you in that moment. So, mm. yeah, does that love it? <laughs> There's a lot. And I'm going to go back and listen to all of that and write yes. more of that stuff down. That's <laughs> yes. so great. I was but trying to jot it There's some things that you just said there, um, Hekia, that, um, you know, there's everyone has an opinion on, on education but there's some things that we can be doing as teachers that if we do this we're going to um it's not just some students in your class will learn so Mm. every student Mm. if you know about trauma-informed um teaching practices that's not only going to benefit students who are have a trauma background every student in your class will benefit from you having that understanding and bringing that into the classroom Mm. so there's some things that we can we can bring in then we go that's going to be great for three three kids in my class but having a trauma-informed background and understanding is going to be great for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes. and, and, and starting first with relationships, that's not just good for a couple of students in your class that really need a relationship. That's, that's great for everybody in your class. So, yeah, I love, absolutely love um, what, you've, what you've just talked about in there and so beneficial mm-hmm. um, for... And if you have that mindset as a teacher and you set yourself up like that, you're going to be a great remote teacher, a fabulous remote teacher... Um, and, um, and so you're going to be a great teacher, but that does, that's going to mean you're going to be a great teacher no matter where you go, as opposed to just a great teacher in an inner city, green leafy, green, um, mm. green leafy school. And I like what you said there about if you have these different aspects, you're going to be awesome anywhere. But yeah. it's also that open mindedness, that willingness to learn, mm. because we all have stuff to learn. I still have stuff to learn. You both still have stuff. Well, to amen. Learn. So mm-hmm. if it's a graduate teacher going remote, don't feel overwhelmed. No. You're, passion and your willingness to learn is what's going to drive you forward so don't think oh I don't yet know how to differentiate like that oh my gosh I better not go we all learn on the job we all have role models like we talk about right now the teachers that positively influence us and guide us along our way so yeah and you'll go there and you'll you'll meet a colleague who's just the best person you've ever seen at building relationships and you'll have another colleague there who who's not as great at relationships, but my gosh, they know everything about differentiation. And mm. as long as we go right back to the start when we talked about learning from our colleagues and, um, yeah, just having that learning mindset. And and I think a sense of adventure, though, would be great um, for a remote teacher. Yes. We, we all just spoke before about the interesting things that had happened to us, including the horse and the cow riding down <laughs> the streets in your different contexts. So, yes. Yeah. I, I think that's very true. We had a um, cricket plague coming through one of our classes, like literally blankets of crickets. And I am afraid of crickets. They are like my worst bug nightmare. And so I got very good at not being afraid of crickets in that uh, situation. But also I was a veggie eater, so I'm vegetarian. And going out to the outback where there's rodeos and hunting and fishing as like staple experiences out there, just being willing to... I didn't try those things, but being open to that's what other people do. And that's yeah. the adventure of your experience yeah. too. Just yeah. seeing the different things that people do and the different places and landscapes. 
watching whales, this is one of my favourites. At one arm point, we went to Jump Rock, which is a cliff that looks over a pass, like an inlet into the ocean. And I was less than 10 metres away from a mother whale and a baby whale oh as they gosh. swam through the pass. And I was up high looking down on these two beautiful creatures. Um, oh, another time when I was out one arm point, this sense of adventure, um, we went on a boat and I had a two-year-old daughter. I went with Woody and his family, who is one of Carl's relatives. They took us out and he's just jumped into the water. This is croc and shark infested waters, but you know, something that they're comfortable doing and he jumped into the water looking for things. And he comes up with this giant oyster and I am vegetarian and I very much um, advocate for that. But in that moment, I broke my 15 year um, being a vegetarian to eat fresh (laughs) oyster fresh off the boat oh amazing. my gosh that sounds Maybe we'll amazing that out, but yeah, it was amazing and i'm holding my daughter super tight on this boat worried she's going to fall off but his two-year-old son was jumping all around the boat and climbing over things so it just shows the different experiences and growing yes. up that we have in different contexts and i was open to adventure there was so much adventure to be had Oh, and what an amazing experience for your daughter to to have oh, had yeah. as well and what a rich Mm-hmm. Um, experience um, she will have had for to come, be coming through in her life as well. Which, which does highlight uh, people are often nervous to go remote with children and mm. we have a blog post and podcast episode on how you can make it work for your children. If you're a parent now going, oh, you know, it's not the right time. Will my kids fit? I hear about crime or pr- horrible things in remotes. Where does this fit for my family? So it, does, it doesn't mean that it's a write-off. There are opportunities to still go remote. Yeah, and so much for your children to learn as well. Mm. And, yeah, that's uh, what an experience. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. I suppose it's those sort of experiences that you want to you, uh, spread through the remote teacher. So if anyone is thinking about uh, possibly going remote, what can they do? Yeah, So joining that Facebook group, Teachers in Remote Communities, Past, Present and Future, is a great way to start to learn. So you've got uh, teachers, you've got Aboriginal education officers, you have head teachers, principals, recruiters, everyone in there. And you can post anonymously if you're nervous about what you need to ask or share. But there are so many people sharing their experiences, their pictures, their stories, their uh, suggestions. And if, say, you are a parent with children and you want to know which communities would be really good or have childcare or feel safe, then that's mm-hmm. a great space to ask as well. On our Instagram page, we often do highlights of remote accounts. So if you're looking to follow people who are currently remote and be inspired by the different things that they're doing, that's a great place to look for people as well. So on our Instagram page. Uh, they might also like to start exploring and learning more about remote outback teaching so on our website we've got recommended reads recommended views and recommended pd and on those pages we list books on the recommended reads including ones that you might like to read at university on the recommended viewing it's things like documentaries tv series um, and movies and on the recommended pd We've got a whole list of amazing PD, including things like Berry Street, which is the trauma-informed teaching, Stronger Smarter, which is viewing things through a First Nations lens and focusing on First Nations strengths and other amazing professional developments. So no matter where you are and no matter how long before you think you might teach remote, 
that's a great way to begin upskilling so you are stepping into those new contexts with strength. Love it. Sure, we want to get people in these positions for longer than nine months, don't we? Indeed, yes. Yes. And you do that through learning now, through feeling empowered now. And Mm. one of the things on our Facebook group and our blog is we don't sugarcoat things. So there are quite a few posts. One of them lists all the challenges of being a remote teacher. We don't want you to not know what the challenges are because there are quite a few. But we want Mm. you to know what they are so you can prepare, so you can have this list of strategies that if I feel homesick, this is what I'm going to do. Or if I face crime in a remote community, this is what I can do. Or if I'm you know, challenged by students who are of a trauma, a trauma background, this is what I can do. So you're stepping into your new role with all this knowledge, not fresh-faced and thinking you were awesome like, like I was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and, and just, just I'm coming for the beaches and I'm coming for the, yes. um, for the weekends, absolutely. Oh, yes. But we, we need to – you're going to get all of that and it's going to be amazing. You're going to have the most amazing weekend experiences mm-hmm. – um, ever known but it is uh it's about setting yourself up for success by knowing um being pre-prepared for the, for that stuff totally you be and, shocked by it and also knowing and assessing your reasons to go remote because if your only reason to go remote is those instagram pictures with these amazing backgrounds that's not going to sustain you through the challenging times no, or no. if your only incentive is like i want to excel in my career i want to do that head teaching role really quickly mm. that's also not going to sustain you and if it's a financial thing all those things aren't enough by themselves. They're yes. totally fine amongst other reasons to go, but by themselves, they're not going to su- help you survive. So, yeah. yeah. Or, or help you thrive. More importantly, we want people yes. going to remote communities and absolutely thriving because when, as a teacher, you're thriving, your students are thriving, um, and your family is thriving. So, um, yes. Yeah. So yeah. And I think that's the key thing. When we're talking about closing the gap for these remote outback students, the impact that this turnover has, the impact on teacher retention. When students have to get to know a new teacher, the way the new teacher manages classrooms, build relationships with this new teacher, trust them with their learning, that's a lot of, not wasted time, but a lot of time that our teachers who stay build on rather than having to repeat. So if a child has two teachers in a year or three teachers or even four teachers in a year, you can imagine the impact that that has on their learning and their trust in the education system too. You're so right. And that's Mm. often why, um, well, probably one of the reasons why you, um, when you first went up there, right, I'm getting straight into the teaching. I know how, I know how teaching and learning works. I'm going to get these kids learning because in stopping or slowing down at the start to invest in that relationship time Mm. is always um, like teachers want to build relationships, but they also know that they've got this jam packed curriculum. I've got to get it through and I, I want these kids to learn and I've got to get into this teaching and learning straight away so they can, I'm going to have an impact on their, on their learning. So that's why I think mm. that if we're talking why people skip the relationship part, it's not because they don't want to build a relationship with the students. Yes. They want to get to the learning, but we can't, we can't yeah. skip to the good part because actually the relationship is a good part, but it takes time. Takes and time. if we have that change, the churn and the changeover of teachers, then they have to stop the learning, and they've got to yes. they've got to invest yes. that time in the relationships. And then if we're constantly um, stopping the learning to then build these relationships, mm-hmm. which we have to anytime there's a changeover, then those kids are always going to um, miss out on the learning. So true. Benefit yep. from the relationship always, and it's always worth it. But they yeah. got we want to be able to have them, uh, we want them to have both, like it, like those so these city true. kids. 
they get they get the both, and um, and our remote kids absolutely deserve yeah. to to have um, have both. Yep. And, and I one think of most... one of the ways to find that balance. Sorry. No, go on. One of the ways to find that balance is through brain breaks. So, fifteen minutes of hardcore learning. And then in your brain break, you're doing a getting to know you activity, a team building or a class building activity. So while it's important to do that uh, first couple of days, first week of making sure you've got these strong relationships in remote outback communities, one of the things we learn pretty quickly is that you've got to do this often because we've got low attendance and changing of students who move between different locations, transiency. So yeah. Our getting to know you and our relationship building is all year long, and that helps yep. in our mainstream classes too. Yes, oh, well, exactly. I, I would say that that's um, that's just quality teaching because actually yep. our, our our brain, what the neuroscience says, that we can't you can't switch your brain on for an hour straight. So if you learn how to do that and break up the learning and and keep the that relationship um, uh, development rolling yes. on. That's not just going to serve kids in a remote community. That's going to serve every single kid that you that you teach as well. So, so yep. true. Yep. One of the most powerful mm. tools that teachers have, I think, uh, is is challenge, is setting challenge for students. But you can't set challenge for students unless there's trust. Mm. You've got to have that trust, and that takes ages to build. And I know that I can set students challenges. Um, well, I know. Sorry, I know the students that I can set hardcore challenges because I've taught them for a number of years and I've built that relationship, I've built that trust between us. Um, mm. So, you know, if you take away the idea of challenge, um, it's, it's, it would be very difficult to, mm. to uh, conduct effective teaching and learning. Mm. 100%. Um, so we could talk with Hakia all day and all night, I reckon, um, but uh, she's got the world to go and change. So well, I just had a <laughs> dog a book to write. next to me making funny dog sounds. So I quickly ran to the door. Uh, to... Right, right. <laughs> See, like I said, changing, changing, like or maybe saving that carpet beside you. If that yes. was it, was it a noise like I'm going to vom, mum? I'm going. This is I'm, gonna, I'm about to make a big things, mess. I'm like I'm not sure which sounds are coming through to a podcast. Quickly, you're out. <laughs> Excellent. I just thought it was Whitey because he always makes weird noises. Hey? Excellent. Good. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, all right. Well, I um, we're going to sum things up. But so I would love you to – you've talked about a, a whole lot of resources for our listeners. Um, so what books um, should be, they be reading and what um, what are, what's, can we just remind us what is our website um, and yep. Facebook groups that we should be joining um, so that people can find out more about everything you've talked about today? Sure. So the books that Carl and I have written together would be a great start for anyone interested in remote outback teaching, but also to use in classrooms all over Australia because they show that diversity of remote outback students and and the experiences that people have that might be very different to the First Nations people where you are. So that's Black Cockatoo, Ditteron, Tracks of the Missing, My Deadly Boots, the Teacher Teacher Anthology, which is so good and relates so much to the guests that you have on this podcast, the inspiring teachers that are out there. Carl also has Backyard Football, which is a really inspiring, upbeat picture book as well. So all of those will give you an insight into what young people in remote outback communities experience and feel. We have our website, The Remote Teacher. On there, you'll have blog posts, podcasts, and courses, but you also have those recommended reads, recommended view, and recommended PD, so you can start feeling empowered wherever you are on your teaching journey. And we also have the Facebook group, Teachers in Remote Communities, Past, Present, and Future. 
that one is a great place to start connecting and learning from other remote outback educators. And we've got the Instagram page, The Remote Teacher Oz, AUS, that highlights other remote outback teachers so you can be inspired by lots of different accounts out there. Great. Spectacular. Great. And any books on the way? Are there any other books yes. on the way? Heaps. Um, so, can you tell us more? <laughs> I'd love to. Uh, Beautiful Night is out next year. It's an amazing mm. picture book illustrated by Dub Leffler and written by us, but it shows a mum and a daughter as they caravan around Australia, stopping in at different places at night time. That's a lovely one. Next year or the year after, we've also got Kimberly Kickers, which shows the journey of AFL players that come from remote communities because their journey to get into the AFL has many hurdles and many obstacles, but also lots of strength. Yeah, that's really cool. So we've got one or two books a year contracted for the next six years, so you can keep an eye out for our work and... Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. That's brilliant because black cockatoos everywhere, as you said, and uh, it's great. Look forward to uh, to those ones that are coming up. That's awesome. Mm. All right. Well, Hakia Hustler, keep an eye out for that name. Um, she's uh, changing the world one kid at a time and um, <laughs> absolutely love it. Thank you so much for your time with us today. Um, Thank you. We will... We're going to link in as much as we can once this episode drops so that our listeners can can click on all those links as well. Mm. Um, thank you for sharing your stories about your your inspiring teachers and thank you to those teachers. Please tag in, um, Hakia. Um, if you still know those teachers or if you've got to contact, please tag them into this episode because what we're trying to do is we're, obviously, you know, we want teachers to feel absolutely amazing about the life-changing work that they're doing and i'm so glad that you had those amazing teachers in your life to inspire you to be doing this amazing work that you're doing now thank you and thank you for the work you both do i am a new podcast listener as of well since covid so i've been enjoying getting inspired by the guests that you have on thank you oh that's lovely thank you thank you all right well always wonderful to see you uh mr white um mrs angel uh, Video Pro, they have been amazing with us getting on board. Um, you should have seen Mr. White take here before Video Pro gave him uh, that lighting. And, oh, um, it's ugly. Uh, so, I, don't, I don't know any, if light makes me look any better. In fact, you could argue it makes me look worse, but <laughs> no, I, I no, certainly no. sound better. Yes, yes, you do, you do. That's um, very professional, indeed. Oh, fabulous. And it's important that we look professional because you saw us at the start of this episode, Hakey. So you, you know what really goes on behind the scenes. Um, awesome. All right. Well, see you later to all of the teachers um, around the world, um, all of those teachers in the Outback communities. You guys are legends. Yes, keep um, it up. And we will see everybody next week. So um, good afternoon, Mr. White. Good afternoon, Miss Hustler. Good afternoon, Mrs. Angel. Powered by Riverside.